This show is about spoilers and discussion. It's also about spooky things that are best enjoyed after you see the movie. So any movie we talk about, we recommend you go see. You've been warned. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Horror. There is no shortage of monsters to haunt our dreams. Horror. You got red on you. They're coming to get you, Barbara. everybody and welcome to another episode of Oh the Horror, a podcast where we take a look at classic and modern horror films from an expert and a newcomer's perspective. I'm the expert Rob Holmes. And I'm the newcomer Steve Allman. And today we are taking a look at The Cabin in the Woods, directed by Drew Goddard, uh, written by Drew Goddard and Joss Wheaton. Yeah, all right. Um, so this was this was gonna be like I figured that this was gonna be like a layup shot of an episode because I've seen this one before, and I really really liked it, um, when I had first seen it, and then I I've seen a bunch of all of these other horror films that I've been learning a lot about and that I've been uh, loving and then not loving and uh, like coming back to this I was like okay so this is gonna be like another like sort of crash course in uh, horror film tropes and a g- great fun deconstruction about all of that and I did like it um but I feel like in the uh in the overall picture I feel like I would have made it one or two changes to this that really would have pushed it over the edge for me because I feel like I've kind of taken a step back with liking this movie I still like it but it's just like it's not as great as I once thought that it was that's that's really interesting that you say that because when I saw it I enjoyed it the mm-hmm. first time I saw it uh, in theaters. And, you know, there's a lot of hype behind this movie. This was one that um, when MGM went bankrupt and dissolved, kind of sat on the shelves for two or three years before Lionsgate pushed it out. Um, so there was a lot of hype behind it. And I think it was overhyped a little bit before I saw it. Oh, man, this was making huge waves. I remember when this was coming out and everybody was talking about this movie. Right. And, and the issue I think I ran into was that I had been hyped up about this movie since hearing about it in 2009 when they were making it. You know, it didn't get released in the States until 2012. So there, there was a lot of time with hype going between there of what this movie is and hearing really good things about it. And then, you know, it's at uh, film festivals. And then people start jumping on the bandwagon. And then I see it and I'm like, the first time I saw it, I think I, I just wanted something more from it, something that was going to push the limits. And I was slightly disappointed uh, because there is a heavy use at times of CG, which I'm, you know, I'm, I'm against if anybody's listened yeah, to this you're podcast. You're majorly against most CG. <laughs> yeah, and there's a few times that I'm okay with it. For the most part, I, I find it unnecessary in horror films. That being said, uh, I watched this again last night. <clears throat> and, you know, I've seen it plenty of times. But for some reason... I enjoyed it more than I've ever enjoyed it. I think because, you know, we're watching so much stuff for the show and, you know, I'm watching a ton of stuff on the side, um, prepping for some some stuff on that, just watching a ton of movies. This was something that was just fun and a breath of fresh air. Yes, it's been done uh, a lot. People have, you know, everybody talks about Cabin in the Woods now. It's, it's the it movie of the 2010s. 
I guess, uh, as pretty far much. as horror yeah. goes. As far, as far as horror films is concerned, and, like, you know, thr- like it, it pretty much was. It's the scream, like this w- of our, uh, scream of this generation. That's Absolutely. really, I think, the best Absolutely. way to put it. And, but what I really love about this film is despite the fact it took so long for it to come out, and, you know, it had a $30 million budget, I think it only grossed, like, 44 in the U.S. and a worldwide of 66. So it, it made its money back. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was fine. And it did it well. It, you know, you got to double your, double your, double your budget. You break even, so really, it made about like a million dollars. Um, but with that, you know, there was so much going into. There's this companion book that you have with all of the artwork and the screenplay and all of this, just behind the scenes stuff. And and that's what I really like because it makes the movie. It gives it like a world. And the fact that Joss Whedon and Drew Goddard were like, all right, this is what we're doing. We're going to make sure we have all of this stuff just in case, I guess. You know, they put a lot of time and effort into creating all these characters. You know, they're paying homage to 60 or 70 different uh, hard characters. Some they're making up. Some they're using from their own uh, stuff that they've written and directed before. And some of the stuff is just they're making up, you know? Right. And I think that's probably where my sort of dialed back enthusiasm started to kick in a little bit. Because I remember absolutely loving this movie because of the movie that everybody thought that it was. And then it made a very big point to make sure that it wasn't. Um, Which I still appreciate. Uh, I mean, it's a a rights issue at at the end of the day. You can't just put Freddy and Jason in there. And, oh, for sure. And unless this is a new line movie, unless, you know, New Line Cinemas is making this, then sure, you might be able to yeah. cross or put them in there and do like a little that's nod a, to. That, that's a mashup that we have, like, that would, from that point, would be unseen. But, like, it, for the. Well, like, we've had, works. I mean, Freddie, yeah, Freddie, Jason, and all of the other characters. Like, if you had. Yeah, because we've every, had Freddie versus Jason. imaginable. But, like putting the the ring monster, <clears throat> like the one from. Like, any Samara Japanese from the ring. Horror. Yeah, so if you're, yeah. if you're talking about bringing in every iconic character yeah it's impossible it's not yeah that's not gonna work and even if you have a lot of them you're gonna be missing a handful that people are gonna be very disappointed with you know so i am happy with what they were able to do there's a good play on a couple of these characters you know cenobites uh they look different in this you know uh their version of pinhead has saws um in Which looked head. like oddly sweet, I, I would like to say. Like there was like that that one moment of the like not Cenobite Cenobite was like yeah. kind of like tender and like that had more emotion than anything in Hellraiser ever did. Uh, yeah, there's there's so a lot the, going yeah. There's there's a lot going on in this film, and I really enjoy what they were able to pull off. This was a film that there's I guess supposedly they locked themselves in a, in a hotel room for a weekend and were like we're gonna write a script, and most of this came out in three days. You know, it's fans of the genre who were I mean it's a they say it's a love hate letter for this of the genre basically because it's like here's a love letter of the genre but here's everything that we hate and we're going to kind of twist it on its head instead of doing the traditional tropes um i you know i just really like this movie i think it's fun i think it's innovative i really like the cast um oh the cast is great everybody Um, in this film works for those characters because they're tropes they're supposed to hit five different tropes and i feel that maybe i think four of them 
are there and I feel like the scholar, they're like, hey, man, you have glasses on. Boom, you're a scholar. <laughs> which, it's, to some movies, that's all you need, <laughs> which I guess that's kind of what they were going for. I mean, they even um, say, we, we're, we, you, know, we're take, you know, we take what we can get uh, when Dana says, yeah, I'm not a virgin. <laughs> yeah, like they're just putting them in this role. And right. they're like, well, I guess, you, nope, you're, that's the part you play in this sacrifice. Well, it's kind um, of like you fit the trope whether you technically fit the trope or not, you know, or the Whether you actually are that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And, and we're starting to stack on praise for this movie, and like, which it ultimately does deserve. I really do like this movie quite a bit. Um, but then having re-seen it, I think the only thing that I would like to, like, I guess maybe nitpick or probably think something that I would have done differently whilst seeing it is that I kind of wanted this movie to play the long game with our expectations because like from the absolute outset we know of this sort of uh twist that was being sold to us we kind of know this twist you know we kind of do because like we all of the marketing all of the sort of build up to what cabin of the woods actually was before it even came out was that it was like one of those most generic types of horror flicks that you see pumped out a dozen times before, which was kind of the point. Uh, well, in the trailers, you know, there there was the idea of a facility. You do kind of, you see that in the trailer a little bit, so you know that something is going on. You know that there's more to this film than just the cabin, and they even say that there's more to it. The whole premise, you know, of the poster was showing... Uh, even the poster is kind of like a Rubik's Cube moving around, you know, right. how, how but, everything but, does. But the the drip feeding of uh, what's going on in this movie is, uh, both, to me, both its strength and uh, a tiny bit its weakness. Because I would have liked to have seen uh, the like basically the play out of that movie without the play-by-play of that behind-the-scenes uh, institution until much later. See, where... I think having that behind-the-scenes adds... There's a rewatchability layer because it you does. end up finding you, a lot you, more you each have, time you see it or yeah, each time you watch when, it. When you when you don't do what I just said, you have two different movies. Yeah. Uh, when you do what I said, you would probably have this mega twist of the characters and the audience finding out what the fuck is going on and being absolutely gobsmacked by all of these crazy things happening at once, which I kind of would have liked to see in this viewing that I was watching, because I'm like, man, that would have been a crazy thing just to be like, man, there's just this, there's this generic thing that's happening for like maybe like an hour, and then boom, like institution and like mega sacrifice, and this is happening worldwide, and here's, all here's of us why, are part of a system. Here's why I think that's a major issue, because if you're doing that and you're watching the film as this is a gen- just a generic horror film, some people are going to lose interest thinking it's a generic horror film. Our first kill doesn't happen until about halfway into this film, right? So it's it's going off your traditional tropes there. So people are going to follow that. Are they going to stick the whole way through? Now let's say they do stick the whole way through. Once that twist comes out, you have a lot of explaining to do. You have a lot of because people are going to go bullshit. They would have to do this, 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 and this, and it's there's like there's a lot of info dumps that you'd have to do. There's a lot of like explaining and uh, yeah, like basically like you'd have to sit the audience down for like a good five to ten minutes and actually say what's been going on. Mm-hmm. And granted, like I'm not a filmmaker, I probably that would probably be the wrong move. Uh, but and not it, necessarily. But, yeah. I think the tone no, would have it, to be different for the movie. I think taking the comedy out of it 
would be necessary for that type of twist. You right. have to go, or for at the a very least, film. it would have to like make a major tonal shift at the halfway to like third act mark. Could where... that work though? Would they say it's too much of a split between the movies? Because I almost uh, yeah, feel like exactly. that's the way that's the way a movie like Hostel went. Because Hostel seems like. Uh, a college comedy or like a college sex romp because that's usually you know euro trip sex romp that's how it starts and that's like the first half of the movie and then it goes torture porn real hard you know right. and that's that i think worked to a point but you know there that's why hostel is a very divisive movie and i think the cabin in the woods had it done that would have been a very divisive film i think including this stuff in the beginning and the way that it's brought together, especially with that title scene or with the title card coming up with the scream. Right. It it's jarring. And this really, movie really right is. away. It's a very odd opening for this movie. And that's what's great, is because you don't know what's yeah. going on. You're like, oh, traditional opening with these kids, they're gonna go out to this place. Then you're like, this facility, what the hell? They're talking about, you know, what's happening, but they're explaining it how they would normally talk to each other at work. You're literally just a fly on the wall. And that's what I like about it because the explanation happens organically, I think. And that's. I would agree. And it's just rare for for my taste. Like in the beginning, it just felt way too meta and way too uh, like analytical and indicative of uh, horror movies where it's like, oh, we're really taking these things to task by like, all right, we, we are the ones that manipulate the system. We are the ones that make this needing to happen. And. You know, Japan's doing their thing, and you know, Russia's over here. Uh, it's like it just seemed like, oh, we're just clearly taking the piss out of everything. I mean, it's it's a very it's such an interesting concept. Like the conceit yes, is great. Is. By the time we get to the end, and you're, it's basically just appeasing the old gods, the Titans, basically. Like if they don't appease the Titans, it's not a myth. They exist. Like at the end. Kronos puts his hand up and rips through the cabin and smashes into the ground like the old gods are coming back and that that to me is extremely fascinating because it's playing off mythology but it's also saying that everything that we've ever feared exists and this facility houses all of it and they bring it in to do sacrifices but it's it's by choice like the the people have to choose their own fates And it almost makes me wonder, could people escape or do they keep trying to lure you back in? You know, that's that's a bit of a confusing thing that I was kind of just along for the ride for at this point, because obviously this is part of a like all seeing, all being like wheels in motion type of society or organization where like all of the things that happen in the world are somewhat or like are somewhat under their control. Like it's some Illuminati Mm -hmm. shit. Uh, it is, and... but only one has to succeed. And that's the thing that I find really interesting is they have it all over the world. Um, only one has to succeed. So I kind of wonder, some of these groups, because they don't succeed, maybe they're just like, yeah, we're not going to go there. And even though they've used all these chemicals to lure them and drug them and kind of get them to influence them, I guess is the best way to put it. Everything is to influence them to make decisions to get them sacrificed. Because it kind of has to be... That's where I find this fascinating because there's rules. And the rules are set up very particular. Well, well the more you delve into the mythos of this, you know, there's the there's the novelization, there's the companion book and behind-the-scenes stuff where you can kind of learn more of what's going on, read the screenplay, and actually see None of the, which I've read. 
we'll see the making of the monsters and stuff. And then on top of that, um, it they, there's a huge behind the scenes on the on the DVD and Blu-ray where you can go even further into this world of Cabin in the Woods. And I find that fascinating because there's so much that you could do with this. Now, I know that people were asking Drew Goddard after the film premiered, hey, man, are you going to make a sequel? And it's like, dude, did you see the end of my film? And I thought that was <laughs> hilarious because, yeah, they obviously did not. I don't think there should be a – obviously, there cannot be a sequel. But I really I – mean, yeah, would, it's the end of the world. <laughs> like, I, I, I think Cabin in the Woods would be something really fascinating to see as a, as a prequel TV series – of everything that goes in, because you're watching. I the thing I loved the most was watching the day to day conversation of what is it, Richard Jenkins and um, Bradley Whitford. Oh yeah! Oh my God! Such a combo! What a combo of of just bantering dialogue. So there. good, Bradley. So good, Bradley. Motherfucking Whitford, like oh, a champion. Man. And his delivery, his delivery. Oh, it's great. Where he's talking about how sad everything is, and then he's like tequila is what is he like tequila is my oh it's it's something that only doug lyman could say Uh, i absolutely love it but it's more so i i I agree that like the world building that uh the society behind this uh is doing is obviously the most fun the movie is having um and it just it like it having seen this movie multiple times it just honestly the plot of the kids felt to me the most not tedious but like like they were the ones that were constantly behind everybody and like we just had to wait for this thing to play out in order for like the real crazy shit to happen yeah. which was Actually, good so, because so the scene so that scene that I was talking about it's tequila is my lady it tequila is, is my lady just you got to it's like a 45 second scene you can find it on YouTube if you just yeah, want to yeah, yeah. watch that scene Bradley Whitford just being amazing. Oh yeah, no, he's he's magnificent. By the way, we didn't even talk about the rest of this cast. Well, let's talk about the cast real quick because it's great. It's such a fun fun cast. It's it's a good. I mean, it's a solid cast, and it was uh it was Chris Hemsworth before he ended up getting all of his other films. So he wasn't even cast right. as Thor yet. They but this, there's a but scene. Yet this movie came out post uh, Thor. So like he post had Thor. been Thor when this came out, but he got this role before he was Thor. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, Red Dawn, he got this. He got Red Dawn because of um, the scene before the motorcycle, like him telling everyone what to do, <laughs> like the leader role. And I yeah, guess Red Dawn, what a oof, dude. Why remake something? Like anyway, that's beside the point. You know that I mean, that listen, movie listen. <laughs> sat on the shelf for years. I think it came out let, like let, 2012 as well. We could do a whole other episode about the Red Dawn fall from grace. Let's not do it here. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, but, yeah, we're looking at uh, Kristen Connolly as Dana, Chris Hemsworth, awesome. Kurt, uh, Anna Hutchinson as Jules, uh, Fran, Fran Kranz as uh, Marty. Uh, Loki hilarious. <laughs> Such a good character. And it's it's taking the stoner character but, like, turning it on its head. See, uh, now, like, I – he, it's also like I knew like seven guys like this in college, all of whom I hated, and like when I see, when I see that in uh, a movie played so so well, when because I've seen Fran Krantz in other Joss Whedon vehicles, and he's he's kind of the chameleon of uh, of the Whedon verse, uh, where like he kind of gets to do the fun stuff, and this guy's great in kind of anything he does, and he I know that he's like 
clearly channeling something that I saw in college. Uh, like just that like stoner intellectual like, oh, we're like, mm. I, I, it was it was so well played. Oh, it's absolutely. And then uh, Jesse Williams is Holden. Um, Jesse Williams, solid, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no, no. Jesse Williams is great. He's been in a bunch of stuff. He uh, has, man. He's he's all like, God, he's been in a ton of stuff. I mean, this whole cast is great. And it's like some people, you might not know their names, but you've seen them before. A lot have, I would say most of this cast has done a lot of TV. Yeah, yeah, Chris no, it's, it's, just sol- a- it's solid TV actors that you would like that normally don't get a good chance in the spotlight. Um, yeah, and again, I'd like to think that that's a bit of uh, Wheaton's hand there, and Goddard as well. He's actually, like, I, they think, both I think, I think they were all they were all TV people at the time because Chris Hemsworth had done a soap opera, I think, in Australia. Oh yeah, Home and Away. Don't don't even okay. talk to me about that because I know I may know a thing or two. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, all right. No, yeah, Chris Chris, Hem- Chris Hemsworth, <laughs> like that was his major vehicle that like he blew up with as a teenager uh, in the early two thousands, and then like you know. As the rest is history with the Avengers and stuff, but like outside of Chris Hemsworth, like we mainly have just like a solid like cast of you know good television actors. Absolutely, and that's that's what really works in this. And each character uh, is pretty well defined. I mean, you have even even when you're in the facility, uh, everybody there. I mean, you have Amy Acker in this film, yeah. which is awesome to see you know it's just like just these random characters in there uh jodel furland i think that's how to say her name uh the girl from silent hill yes so and and people are like man does she not age and it's like no man this filmed in 2009 like two years after (laughs) silent hill or three years after so like still in the same age but yes in 2012 she would have aged by then still got Uh, it but, yeah, it was so cool to see her in this film and just because I'm watching it and I'm like, holy shit, is that – wow, okay, cool. That's random. You know? It is It is crazy to see this because I haven't seen it, like, probably since college and now having seen a bunch of movies since, I'm like, oh, wow, these people, like, have done great stuff afterwards. Good for them. They were in great stuff. Um, but, like, honestly, I think uh, outside of, like, obviously a wholehearted recommendation for me, but, like, I think that we can easily just talk about set pieces post, like, middle act – of uh of this movie because a, a lot of crazy things happen and a lot of good fun playful meta things that deconstruct horror films and that's like that's kind of the you know the goodies here but honestly man like once they enter that facility it's nuts and yeah like the, that's this is that's of... really where I want to heap on praise of this movie like as we like we wind it out here because I really, really think that like the the most inventive things that happen in this movie happen in its final act. Oh, I would definitely agree with you. Everything once they end up getting into the facility, Marty, Marty and Dana have gotten like <laughs> Marty has somehow survived all of this stuff. Everyone, you know, there's the tremor that happens when he dies, quote unquote, dies. Um, and the facility guys were like, ooh, the gods must be a little antsy or a little restless on this. And it's like, no, dude, you guys fucked up. Like, he didn't die. Someone else, like, he ended up killing the uh, zombie redneck. Um, And then, you know, he ends up getting in the facility, and that's what's great because, you know, he gets Dana in there. Now, this movie could have ended right there. This was the hour point in the film. I remember seeing this in theaters and thinking to myself, oh, my God, if this movie ends right now, I'm going to be so pissed off because... If they didn't give the reveal of all this stuff, 
and just kind of left it as a, oh, this is the facility, and now we're trapped in one of these cubes. I'd have been like, nope. Oh yeah, None. because you see, it's a, it's a gigantic like pan out to like all of the cubes holding all of the monsters. That's how you end uh, a horror movie most of the time. That's what dude. Right. That was like the and, uh, early two thousands way a, of ending fucking everything. And it's a serviceable ending. Like you would have, like you wouldn't have been mad about it. Like, oh no, it I would have been terrible. Oh no, I would have been pissed. Look, if this were a TV episode, like if this were an episode of you know, some horror show like Channel Zero, I'd have said, great, you know, it's an hour, that's a solid hour, now they're trapped in this facility, but I would like to see something more, you know, and develop that further. But this was the way of going, okay, cool, now we're going to do that. And then not only do they get into the facility, because we see these creatures, and I'm like, oh, okay, they're looking at all these creatures, we get to see a bunch of different stuff in this menagerie of, of horror, basically, of nightmare creatures. And you know, we could have stopped there, and they could have gotten them facility, they could have gotten through and, and escaped, but no. No, Dana uh, found the purge button, which this facility somehow <laughs> had a fucking purge button, which doesn't make any sense. Well, I feel like if you're holding back, like, titans from coming back, you may as well just have a fuck it button, because, like, all of it, like, clearly, like, there was a there was a time before all of this where they just had yeah. to figure all this stuff out. May as well just have a fuck it button. I would love to have a fuck it button. I pr- yeah, I'd I mean, press that's... that button probably once a year. Uh, it, it, I don't know, man. To have all of those creatures come out, you got to then hire the overhead has to be insane to hire new people and then lawsuits and everything like that. I don't, I don't know. I don't think I don't think, I mean, I don't think these people are like worried that. about lawsuits at this point. They're sacrificing kids all all around the world. Fair enough. Uh, But seeing all these creatures and so many come out was great. My this this is a tough part about the movie because this is where the CG becomes extremely noticeable. Um, Sure, but also they're they're trying to do a lot. Like they are doing a a ridiculous amount, and I think I'm willing to forgive it because the movie is so much fun, but. There are ways that they could have done it keeping within the budget. It just came down to, it would come down to, you know, uh, tighter shots on the camera, not showing the entire creatures. You're in a facility. You can go tighter on hallway shots. Not, Not everything needs to be broad and grandiose. You know, you can have all these creatures moving through in different areas, um, and it can look good and it can look practical, but it can. But that's beside the point. This it, It's still a lot of fun. We get 60 or 70 different creatures coming out. We get, you know, a killer clown that's kind of like Pennywise. The, one other issue is that some of those deaths in there feel like they were just filmed by maybe a B unit and mm-hmm. then just thrown into the movie. The quality just is is hit or miss on some of how it's filmed, True, I think, and I think, I think the only real characters. reason that the quality is a bit low is because they're trying to throw as many different types of yes. horror tropey monsters at you in, like, really quick succession like it's more of just like okay this this facility worker is getting killed by this clown or this facility worker is getting killed by this thing and like this is just where they threw all of their ideas at the wall and they're they just looked at their production people and they're like all right what can we make happen and for the most part i feel like they did a lot uh oh no i i i fences. think it's great i think almost everything in it i think almost everything works there's a few the cool things ballerina where I'm like, design with like the teeth face. That's cool. That's a great. That's a great one. I love yeah. that. And and some of the stuff in there is so well done. I think that's the issue is that the practical is so amazing. 
that when you see the digital stuff, it, it is more glaring, especially the giant snake. It didn't need to be there, but at the same I'm time, I'm not bothered by it. I think it's more for just like you have a ridiculous thing that's like in a in a new, in a static shot is just throwing guards and soldiers around. Like, that's no, a I funny think it's thing. taking the piss out of all the bullshit CG that's in you know those Sci-Fi Channel original movies. I think yeah. it's almost like, all right, here's your here's your CG snake that's in all these horror movies. It exists, and it's mm-hmm. like, all right, exactly. cool. If if this shit really does exist, then then fine, I'll buy into it. So that's kind of how I I play it out in my head understandable you know um, uh, but yeah and man this we, is we got the we got the we got the queen coming in at the end oh yeah so the the big boss is uh sigourney weaver sigourney weaver man like honestly she, like we don't need like she doesn't even need to try she's like anthony hopkins where like i've seen it like i recently also rewatched uh thor ragnarok and like there's a moment where he's like sitting on a mountain and he's just talking about like you know old family things and whatever and like I could tell he's not trying and I don't care he's just so good like he's so immediately compelling and that's the exact same thing with Sigourney Weaver I don't care if she wasn't trying I don't really need to know if she was she's awesome I don't even think it was that in this what I loved was being in the theaters I didn't know that Sigourney Weaver was the director or anything I had no idea and I hear the voice come over the intercom, and I'm thinking, I'm like, is that Sigourney Weaver? The, oh, that is, did they, yeah, yeah. Did they get her for this? And then it goes, and you see her, and I'm like, holy shit, this movie just went to another level. And, I, I mean, I, I enjoyed it, man. I like that reveal of having her in that oh, role. Oh, for sure. I, honestly, and, I feel like they almost wrote a little, that role into a little bit more just to know that they got her. Maybe. I mean, I also think that, it was one where it explains a lot of what's going on and you know it leads to a really a, a cool ending standoff where you know she ends up getting thrown in and the uh the zombie girl ends up you know attacking her and and pulls her into uh the pit where Kronos is underneath um but what what's interesting then is that Dana's willing to pretty much kill Marty at the end. I mean, she has a gun aimed right at him, and then if a werewolf didn't come up and bite her in the neck, uh, she would have she would have shot him. She said she wouldn't have, but like she put that gun on him herself. So then she's like, "Oh, I guess I'm gonna die because I got bit by a werewolf." So well, fuck it. And uh, like again, like it, we're in full fuck it mode because it's already done. Like the and for the for the one info dump that this movie actually really takes, uh, it's a fine one. Because it's like at the in the final like ten minutes, and it's only just telling you what's gonna happen next. That's it, uh, and that's fine. I, I I think like again like I struggled with wanting to know like okay is the big plot twist should the big pl- plot twist happen at the halfway point or should we write it out like the movie actually does, and like I keep going back and forth with it, but only to have like the last five minutes just be like. Okay, this is how this is fucked up. You guys ruined this. Like the world's ending because of you and your selfishness. Yada yada yada, uh, is great. And there's nothing you can do about it. No, the weird part for me about all this is that it literally, it's Marty. He is the he is the reason why the world comes to an end. Because are they really the bad guys for keeping the Titans at bay? Like who are the actual bad guys in there? There's so much going in this movie where you realize. 
holy shit, this this has to happen. They have to succeed in this. Are they the good guys? Are they the bad guys? There's this moral ambiguity in this. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, yeah, they're, they're like they're stopping this thing that's that's terrible by doing yeah. this this bad thing. Like, should Marty have sacrificed himself for his family, for the greater good, for humanity in general? But having this, like, I guess nihilistic approach, uh, of just fuck it. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it it's. And then she, you know, she's like, well, I got bit by a werewolf. All right, cool. Let's ha- let's just let the world end. It's like, all right, okay. And maybe if you're in a terrible situation like this where your friends get killed, you find out all this stuff, you might just be in a, all right, what the hell mood. Which is why I'm glad they pulled the trigger and went full on this movie. And we're like, end of the world, you know, Titans coming through. I was really hoping we would see more than just the arm. I really wanted to see them all burst out from the earth at different times, like full size. But, you know, budget can only go for so much. And I, I think that was perfectly fine. Uh, I think the sentiment and, like, the final criticism for horror movies that this movie does is the fact that it doesn't set itself up for a sequel. The fact that it is very uh, final and that it's very, like, okay, that's definitive, like, it's over. <laughs> Nothing's coming back from this. Yeah, it's uh, a good way to do a horror movie. It's the end of the world, everybody dies, the end. Right, uh, and, and as pessimistic as it sounds, like, you still had a good story there, and it doesn't always have to be this sort of uplifting, well, we we just barely got out of it, but then also this other bad stuff is still here. Like, it could have easily done that. Like, it could have easily been like, and we'll fight them, or something like that. Oh, uh, that that could have happened so easily. Oh, for sure. Uh, but again, it's I, I don't have that many complaints about this movie, and it's only nitpicks to say that like the premise is so great that I just want to play around with how that premise is done. That's all, really, <laughs> because it's so innovative and it's so fun to see this, not so much a teardown, but a fun uh, back and forth with a criticism of horror films as it is now. Like you said, scream for the modern era. Okay, I didn't realize this until now. Everybody in the facility got killed. Wouldn't one of those work as a fool? Wouldn't oh, one yeah. of them? Any, any of the like, like we got so many people. None of these people are foolish at all. Well, I guess if they're working for the cause that is ke- preventing all of this, that probably doesn't count. I feel like someone should hit the little blood thing. You know? Or no, they hit all of them, so that should work. To hit one more and just do it and then call it a day. Enough people have died. You guys can still get through. Does Marty yes, have and... to be the one? Is he marked? <laughs> yeah, it's a strange thing, but it's a fun movie. It is a fun movie. And I think that, like, overall, at the end of the day, you just got to say fuck it. Because this whole movie just yeah. said fuck it. Oh, uh, I mean, you know, it's, it's... That was this movie. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, so uh, <laughs> with that, I would say that that's a thorough recommend from uh, myself, and I'm assuming you as well. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. It's uh, it's a great film. It's I, this is like that's like horror 101. Like if you want to get introduced to horror, that's what you should probably see. I think it's most palatable for for people who are fans of all different genres. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that this is entry level. I would say. That this is, if you find yourself annoyed with what horror movies are or what you think horror movies are, you should see this. I think if you find yourself like, like if somebody doesn't like 
the, the typical Lionsgate film, <laughs> if, if I could say that. If somebody isn't really in tune with, like, The Conjuring or some of these, you know, The Saw modern... series? Yeah, sure. If you don't like those, watch this. Uh, if you're not, if you, like, kind of think that people act stupid in horror movies, see this. If you're angry about the things that are, uh, like, this movie's conscious of all of those things. It's conscious to the people that don't particularly like horror movies, or at least where the way they've gone in the past few years. And I think that's very smart, and I think that's who I would want to recommend it for first. Uh, obviously, anybody who likes horror movies would like this. See, this is where I think it's a good one to bring people into horror movies, because you have a lot of TV actors. So... You know, you have people who are on Grey's Anatomy and other, all sorts of other TV stuff. That's really all I can think of right off the bat that I know Jesse Williams is on Grey's Anatomy. Um, That's how you can get people to watch it who normally wouldn't watch horror. Go, well, do you like, you know, this actor? And they're like, oh, yeah, I really do. Well, they're in this movie. Oh, okay, let's watch it then. So it, it's a good way to get people into horror who normally wouldn't be into horror. That's that's what I'm saying when it's like a good intro. And it's a good kind of like, it's tamer than a lot of the stuff that you would, even though it's very violent at the end, it's very cartoonishly comical. Um, and it's not like what they could get into later on. Sure. Exactly. So, yeah. So, yeah. That is going to do it for us, I think, this week. Uh, yeah, absolutely. What have we got planned next episode? Oh man, we are finally after over God. What's it been about a year and a half since we've done? Oh my God, uh, it's, been, it's been a while franchise. since we did. It, it's been a while since we did one of these. So we're going to do Let's Talk Franchise. That is coming back. We will be doing that uh, either once a month or once every two months. Um, for this one, we are doing the Halloween franchise. So That's since right. we just did 2018's Halloween, we're going to take a look back at all of the other ones that came before it. All 4,000 Halloween movies. There are 10 that came before this. I, I have seen four as, as of this recording, and uh, I'll just say I'm ready to be done. <laughs> um, oh, man, it's going to get worse, man. It's going to get more complicated and weird and frustrating, sometimes yes. fun. <laughs> I but, hope sometimes fun. I hope it gets fun at some point. <laughs> I mean, it's um, fun. It, it's it's fun if you're a genre fan because you'll see people and be like, "Oh, it's this person," or "Hey, Paul Rudd, what are you doing in a Halloween a fi- film?" I d- I do know that Paul Rudd is officially in the Halloween universe, so that's a, yep. that's a good treat that I'm looking forward Tommy to. Tommy Doyle. Oh boy! All right, but that is going to be a long. Uh, our plus episode that we'll be talking about that. So we will be dropping that on Halloween evening. So uh, keep your calendars peeled. No normal episode on Tuesdays. We're going to be dropping that on Halloween, October 31st next time. So that is going to do it for us here at Oh The Horrorcast. Uh, we uh, can be found pretty much everywhere that you can find podcasts. So if you're listening to us now, good job. You've already done that. Next part is where uh, you can follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter. We've got a website up now, ohthehorrorcast.com. It's got links to all of our socials there as well. Be sure to check that out. We're going to have some fun stuff for you guys in the coming weeks and months. Next time, uh, we're going to be looking at Halloween, and that's pretty much going to do it for us here. Thank you guys so much. Feel free to leave us a review. And until next time, I'm Steve Allman. And I'm Rob Holmes. And we'll see you next time. Damien, it's all for you. Horror. Come, 
time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here.